How can Escafia be fulfilled nowadays? <laughs> I will tell you, Ashena um, Maisele. I had a neighbor who was unfortunately all over Shalom. His name was Reb Shmuel Machkin, Mullah Machkin. He was the oldest of the Machkin brothers. They taught against the Peretz. The Peretz was a big chosid, there was a mashpia. And from everything that you hear, you get the impression that the Rebbe Pashat liked him. They never liked the Peretz. Heldi was not only a chosid, but that he was a makushid. So he was my neighbor. So for a while we davened in the same shul when he was older and not so well. We had opportunity to spend some time together. So um, he was a very interesting man. So one of the stories that he told me was about my elder Zayde, uh, my father's grandfather, his name is Saul Nevlet. Saul Nevlet was a big chassid. He was, was a big chassid. He was a chassidish yid, a very gishmak yid. And he was mamash a gon and niglan and nister. Uh, Ramel Plotkin who was a emesek goa and said about Rabbi Sol Nevla that he's such a shiluv of niglan chsidis in terms of yeda he didn't see. It was a big part. Rabbi Sol a greater mensch. But Rabbi Sol Nevla was famous for his uh, his fabrengen, for his varmkeit, for his fire. He was a flam fire dekerid. My shver al Shalom told me that when Yidin came from Russia, and the Fiyid Kebbe said about the Yidin who came from Russia that you could say about them, So one of the Yidin who came from Russia was Ibisal Nevlan. Unfortunately, he never made it out of Germany. He passed away in Pucking, but he did come out of Russia. So when the Rebbe heard, the Fiyid Kebbe heard that he came from Russia, the Rebbe's comment was, Is he still telling stories? That was the Fiyid Kebbe's comment. Anyway, Ibisal Nevlan was a Chsidi Shirid. So Reb Shmuel Machkin told me that he went to visit him in Tashkent. This is wartime. And Bechlal, the Asian accommodations were not exactly grandiose. And the homes were sunken into the ground. They were not beneath the ground completely. But in order to enter into a home, you had to duck down. In other words, the doors were not very tall. Because the homes were, let's say, a foot or two or three under the ground. That's how they would build it. So you had to duck down to come into the house. Maybe the houses had sunk. Anyway, Reb Shmuel Machkin told me that he walked in to see the Zayda. He was talking about his Malamed. Reb Shmuel was a Malamed of many men and their children and grandchildren. And he smashed his head against the top of the door, against the lintel. He didn't pay attention. And uh, he smashed his head against the door. It must have been very unpleasant. So my grandfather saw him bang his head against the door stop, the lentil, lintel. So he said to him, Shmuel, Doveis Favos Ongeklagdem Kop, Val Dovil Sechnishta Beikton. Those were his words. Shmuel, you know why you smash your head? Because you don't want to bend. This is a story which I don't know how many people have heard. I heard it directly from him. Why am I telling the story? Besides to the fact that when you have a story that you that you think is not well known, it's good to share. It's because that's all what Eskafia means. Eskafia means abegtan, to bend. So when you ask, is Eskafia applicable nowadays? Of course it's applicable nowadays. And Eskafia means abegtan, to bend yourself. Um, in psychology, in common sense, in any philosophy of life that's responsible and mature, even if it's completely self-serving. In other words, if you take the Eibishter out of the picture, Rachman al-Islan, 
But you have a philosophy of life which is not just about eat, drink, and be merry, but it's about responsibility and wisdom. Discipline is a fundamental part of it. You don't have to be religious to understand the need for self-control and discipline, and that involves bending. Don't always, not everything you want you have to have. I heard from one of my Rashi Yeshiva many years ago. I think he said it in the name of Rabnis Nemenov. That Rabnis Nemenov came here from France. And he spent three Tishrei's here. He would say Tishrei Tavshin Tezvav, Tavshin Yudzain, Tavshin Yudes. By the Rebbe's uh, blessing and okay. And after Tavshin Yudes, the Rebbe told him that he should no longer come for Tishrei. Because it needs to be with his Talmidim, which come at different times. But he came those three tishes. I heard this from my father-in-law. Anyway, so one of the tishes of Nisim was here. The Rebbe asked, If Nisim was here, why does Nisim Fabreng? So Nisim Fabrenged. And in one of the Fabreng editions that Nisim participated in, somebody said to Nisim that in America there's no Eskafia. Now anybody who knew Nisim knew his whole Metzius was Kabbalah, Sel, Eskafia. He was very shaken up. Um, he took it very seriously. He was an earnest man. And this one was not a... There was not a cynical bone in his body. There was not a callous bone in his body. He was a very sincere man. He was very shaken by this. So he actually asked the Rebbe. He went to the Rebbe and he says, Is it true that the, what the Bachram told me, whoever it was, as an American stuck in his kafir? So the Rebbe swung his hands out. And the way I recall the story, the words were, Avil desvara. Avil desvara. I'll, I'll say the whole thing in Yiddish. I'll translate it into English. Avil desvara, faste navadenisht, tainis leshoyes daf mentrachten. Aber nicht essen was es will sich und essen was es will sich nicht sicher es da heint es kafia. And in English it translates: It's a crazy idea. To fast is out of the question. In other words, Rebbe put reins on his kafia. To fast for sure not. To fast for portions of a day for a few hours. I want to think about it. And to be sure, the Rebbe would later on completely cancel the idea of people not eating. But to eat what you don't want, and not to eat what you always want, of course there's a skafia nowadays. The Rebbe said this probably over 60 years ago. The, the thing about a skafia that's important to understand is a number of things. The first is, a skafia is not suffrage. A skafia is not to suffer. And uh, unfortunately, this is how it's understood. And I'll tell you why. In, in today's world, who does this kafia? Who does this kafia? The kids, the boys of 13, 14, 15, the, the, those are the sincere bachim that we have. And I would suppose that the Balei Tshuva um, are doing this kafia. And they don't have guidance. And even if they have guidance, they don't trust their counselors because they don't see amongst their mashpiyim that the mashpiyim should practice eskafia. So eskafia expresses itself in this idea of deprivation. If a person does eskafia and his feeling is that he's making himself suffer, is missing the point. The point of eskafia is what it says in Hayyem Yem. I mean, there's a Hayyem Yem which summarizes it most succinctly. That the chassidim of the Alter Rebbe affected in themselves that everything that they want they shouldn't have <speaking in Hebrew> that they, if it's something that they desire they shouldn't have and the reason they did this because they wanted to break their taiva their taiva means their weakness I translate the word taiva as weakness 
So you have to think of Iskafia in real terms. Iskafia in real terms is a, is a means to an end. Not everything I want I should have. Not everything I think I need do I really need. And I should tell myself no. But it's never, I, don't, I shouldn't have this because this is bad for me. I shouldn't have this because this stands between me and the Yevishter. And that's how you have to do Iskafia in a healthy way. If the Iskafia is I shouldn't have this because it's a taive. And that's where it ends. First of all, it's unsustainable. It's, it's, you know, the kids turn 16, 17, 18, and unfortunately they stop doing the Iskafia. Because it's not about not having this. It's about having good lukus. So the, the context of Iskafia is, like it says in the Basel Legani, when a person teaches himself how to say, to, to say no to himself, when a person tells himself, I want this, but I don't need it. It's not, I want this, I don't need it, and therefore I'm not going to have it. I want this, and I don't need it, because I need the Yebishte. That's the legitimacy of the Eskafia. It's the sustaining of the Eskafia. If a person is going to do Eskafia in a way that he's going to remain disciplined, he teaches himself how to tell himself no, and he successfully doesn't indulge in the things that he tells himself no. And the neshama of this person is a dvekas nelakus. That's sustainable. That's real Eskafia. And I think this is the answer. The reason Eskafia today is so convoluted is first of all to be realistic. Not eating a piece of bread is not Eskafia today. It's Eskafia in the times of the middle of Rebbe's Hasidim. Eskafi has different definitions today. I don't have to necessarily have ten shirts. I can have seven. Or I don't need to have three pairs of shoes. I'm talking about a bochen yeshiva. I can have one pair of shoes. But more importantly, the eskafi is mevul de eshapcha. If the eskafi is I want to make myself suffer, that's not eskafi. The eskafi is I want to be closer to Hashem. And I can't be closer to Hashem because this stands in the way. And the more I bend myself, the closer I come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that is kafi is sustainable and it's very, very realistic. And to be sure, when you have a mindset that this kafia brings to this hapche, you automatically have a healthy understanding of where this kafia should be. Where should I discipline myself? What should I tell myself no about? And the answer to that question is, it's in those areas where I'm having a difficulty coming closer to Hashem. And when I appreciate the desire to be more involved with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the place where the Eskafia should be becomes almost in every case clear. 